You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, fan people. It's your host, Aaron Roverman, reminding you that this episode of Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com is sponsored by Harry Tarantula. And the thing I love about comics are the crossovers. You know, those intercompany crossovers, DC versus Marvel, Batman versus Spider-Man, Spawn versus Daredevil. I mean, really, the sky's the limit. But I miss them. They don't happen so much anymore. But on the retail side, Harry Tarantula has a crossover on its own. You can go there for your comics fix and your cryptocurrency because they now sell Bitcoin. So you can get Batman and Bitcoin. It's pretty great, especially when people like uh, City Councilor Norm Kelly are talking about maybe paying your taxes in Toronto, your parking tickets, those sorts of things with Bitcoin. Now, if you don't know what Bitcoin is, it's a decentralized currency. Leon can tell you all about it. As he says, the least interesting thing about Bitcoin is the price. So go over there, get your comics, get your cryptocurrency, get your Batman, get your Bitcoin, and tell Leon that Aaron sent you. Listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries, with your host, Aaron Broverman. Hey, fan people! Welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com. That's where you found us, or we're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast needs met. Today, we have a very special guest. She's at sort of a great time in her career. She's contributed to the Toronto Comics Anthology, As Good as Gold, it's called. They love their puns. I don't know if you remember, but last year, when we had a contributor to Toronto Comics Anthology, it was Young at Heart, which uh, yours truly was actually featured in. But along with the Kickstarter for that, launching uh, in March 2018 to the 30th, our guest is also experiencing her comic being in local comic shops around the world. I don't know if you remember our previous episode with writers uh, Michael Christopher Heron and Andrea Fort. Those are the writers of a fantasy comic known as Songs for the dead songs for the dead at that time was an independent comic but now it's being published by vault comics and all of the issues are being reprinted and sold in comic stores around the world our guest today is the artist on songs for the dead please welcome sam beck How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's nice to have you in because both Andrea and Michael had very, very nice things to say about you. They said, you know, we can't do the comic without her, obviously. But you you also do some other stuff. You have your webcomic, Verse, and your other comic, uh, Cadmus. I wonder, like... All your style is very surrealist, fantasy type stuff. Is that what you're known for? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think uh, like recently a lot of the stuff I've been putting out has been like heavily fantasy genre. Like verse is, I would say, a fantasy story. Song for the Dead is obviously fantasy. Um, Cadmus it's based on like a Greek myth, but like that's fantasy as well. So like that's really <laughs> my wheelhouse right now is like this fa- fantasy uh, genre. Right, and Cadmus yeah. is available from Antarctic Press. Yes, it is. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So. Did, were you a fan of fantasy before you started uh, doing art for fantasy comics? Yeah, I mean, like, I've always been into, like, RPG games and books that are fantasy-based. Like, and I think a lot of people like Harry Potter. Like, there's lots of fantasy um, series that people are into. But, like, a big influence has always been, uh, like, role-playing games, like Dragon's Age and... Um, Final Fantasy Tactics and, like, the whole suite of those games. So it's been, like... <laughs> where I've pulled from for a really long time. So, uh, I have a confession to make. I play Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons as I've, well? I've played a couple of games of D&D, and I've also played, like, Dungeon World with a few friends. So, yeah, and I listen to, like, a bunch of uh, real play podcasts as well. Um, that's been, like, a big inspiration recently. Uh, like, Friends at the Table has been, like, a huge inspiration for me. Um, they're, like, a, a Dungeon World play podcast. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, what attracts you to the world of fantasy from an artistic perspective, from a creative perspective? What do you like about it? Um, I think you can really play in that space a lot. It's really flexible with what you can do. Like, first for example, is really low fantasy. Like, there's not a lot of magic. It's really focused on on people and less on, like, the world building and lore and stuff. Um, but then you can also go, like, the opposite way. Like, with Songs for the Dead, there is, like, hard magic in there. There's necromancers and sparkles and people, like, like fighting with each other. Um, so, like, you can kind of choose how fantastical you want to be, and that's really interesting to me. And I mean, like there, you, like you make the rules. Basically, you're in charge of what you you want to do. And from like a artistic perspective, I've always found it easier to draw things that like appear in nature, um, as opposed to like drawing hard uh, sci-fi like spaceships and stuff. That's never been like my strong uh, uh, skill. Cool. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about uh, your story in Toronto Comics, As Good As Gold. I think it's like the, like, what are they on? The fifth or sixth volume right now? Yeah, this is the fifth volume. Fifth volume. Yeah, so my comic is uh, called Mirrored, and it's um, set in, in Toronto, obviously, like all the comics are, but it takes place in a alternate universe where people can use magic. Um so it's about a girl that goes down into the abandoned Bay Street subway station and she opens up this portal to this uh, like alternate universe of Toronto where inside the subway station there's like this huge tournament going on uh, where they're fighting each other with like magic and stuff. Wow. So yeah. it's like it's like a wizard battle. Sort yeah, of exactly. Thing. Like like Disney's Fantasia kind of <laughs> kind of thing. That's awesome. Really cool. Yeah, they're like flinging spells at each other. Do you have a collaborator on that or? No, I'm the the writer and artist for it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. What was the the pitching experience like for you for that? Had you uh, contributed to Toronto Comics before? Uh, no, this was like the first time I had pitched something. <laughs> um, I had 
sent a pitch for Verse to uh, the Hiveworks network. Um, that wasn't successful, but this was like my first successful pitch, and it was to Toronto Comics. I had like a couple of ideas, but this one just really stood out to me. I'm like super fascinated with societies where like there's something like just below, like something like in the Harry Potter series, like there's magic, but like there's just, you know, normal people, you know, doing their everyday stuff. And that's always fascinated me. So uh, kind of like uh, Neverwhere by yeah, Neil Gaiman. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Like just below the level, there's like something really cool and you want to be part of it. And I think... I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it's happening, you know, while the surface dwellers or the regular people don't know. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've had uh, Stephanie Cook on before. She's the editor of, of this volume. Uh, you can check her out in our archive on Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com. What was she like to work with? Um, so I didn't actually work with uh, Stephanie. My editor was um, Malcolm and also uh, Stephen Andrews. Oh yeah, yeah, they're yeah. the the two the assistant editors, yes, right? Okay. Yes. So I worked mostly with um, Malcolm. Uh, he was really great to work with, and uh, I also had some conversations with um, Andrew as well. They're both like really great people. They had good feedback and stuff. It's been like a very uh, smooth process. Had you worked with an editor before? I worked with uh, Alison O'Toole, who was the editor for Wayward Sisters. Oh, um, we've had her on as yeah, well. Yeah, so I, I did the art for a story in that anthology called Love and Fury, and the writer is uh, Amy Lim. So I worked with an editor doing another anthology. Um, wow, you have a lot of things coming out. I mean, <laughs> Wayward Sisters, uh, for those who don't know, is just around the corner. It's coming out very soon. Uh, the Kickstarter just wrapped for that, and mm -hmm. I think all the backers are waiting for their their comics uh, patiently. Uh, we've also had Malcolm on. Uh, you might know him from our Mike Something, Todd Sullivan episode. He he did the Tommy Gun Banshee stuff. Uh, he goes by uh, Mike now, but uh, his real name is Malcolm. And uh, we've also had uh, Stephen Andrews on, or, or Andrew Stevenson, the original lead editor of the Toronto Comics series. Uh, you can listen to that way back in our earlier episodes with his original collaborating editor, Nelson DeRocha, when they were first starting Toronto Comics. So Speech Bubbles had a long relationship with Toronto Comics, and that's why uh, we brought Sam in. Um, so yeah, how does it feel to have all of these things? things happening in your career right now like songs for the dead is in major comic shops and got picked up by a publisher wayward sisters is coming out toronto comics is starting uh their next kickstarter seems like everything is coming together <laughs> yeah um it's, it's really surreal and weird like i only really started getting into comics two years ago like originally i was doing like mobile design at like a uh, Toronto based <laughs> what do they refer to themselves as? They're called they're called Pivotal Labs. Anyway, they do like mobile design and stuff and that's where I was for a really long time. Okay. Um I just decided to quit because it wasn't what I wanted to do. And like for the past two years I've just been putting out like as much <laughs> material as I can. And it feels like been working up to this point and now everything is happening just kind of all at once, which is cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So what originally got you into comics two years ago? I mean, like, I've always really enjoyed telling stories. Like, I've started and kind of abandoned a whole bunch of web comics and never really, like, found the time to, to stick to them. Um, I like being able to tell my own stories. 
And I just like wanted to do that. Like I really needed to write something for myself, um, which is like where verse came out of. But yeah, I just like had enough of my day job. I'm like, I'm gonna quit and see (laughs) where this goes. I have like enough budget for like a year. If it doesn't work out, then whatever, that's fine. But (laughs) yeah, it's it's interesting. One of the things I love about comics is they're one of the few places where artists can tell narrative stories. Mm -hmm. Because generally, you're just doing like a one and done sort of drawing or, or that sort of thing for other places. It's kind of what I love about comics. Were you a comics fan before you started uh, drawing them? Um, yeah, I don't think, like, if you were to talk to, like, my writers, Mike and Andrew, like, they're, like, really hardcore into comics. I've, I like comics, but I've never been, like, <laughs> a really, a, a huge fan. Like, I read a lot of manga and web comics. Never really been into, like, cape comics or anything like that. When I was younger, I read, like, Trigun and, I don't know, all these, like, old school, like, anime and manga. And then really got into like the webcomics scene. I'm still a big fan of like webcomics. What do you love about webcomics? They're different. Like you can find anything that you're looking for in a webcomic. There's no limit to like the type of storytelling you can have. Um, And that's because like the format is so long. They're not, there's no barrier to like, oh, you need a set number of pages for this issue. You can like I want to write like a huge epic long story and (laughs) you can find that and not have to, you know, worry about pitching it to a publisher or or anything like that. You can just do it. And then like find your audience yourself, basically. Yeah, I think that's fun, like as a creator and as someone reading, because you get to see like a point of view that maybe wouldn't ever find an audience if they were pitching it to uh, a publisher or something. And there's tons of web creators like, you know, Kate Beaton and others who have basically generated an audience from their webcomic Mm -hmm. and now are published because of how popular their webcomics are. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was sort of, uh, how did you start uh, your artistic talent? Like, where did that come from? Uh, what were you like as a kid? Were you drawing back then as well? Um, yeah, I've, I've always like loved drawing. Um, I don't think there was ever a point in my life where I just wasn't drawing. Back when I was in high school, you'd be on forums and stuff, like making your own original characters and like, role-playing with people on like these online forums and that was always really fun to me um I think that's where like my love of narrative storytelling and stuff um came out of that like initial experience being on like the early web and just drawing like you know silly really like really silly characters but you get people that would be invested in them and they were your your friends or like people that you had just met online or whatever but you had like this really tiny audience that was into like this bizarre character that you had made up and that was super fun so like being able to get an audience at such a young age kind of fueled me to like want to create more and have more people read my stuff and and look at my work how old were you back then Uh, like 12 13 i don't know like neopets era (laughs) you'd be like making really silly characters based on like Stuff like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Neopets. Wasn't yeah. that, like, the pets that were, like, on your computer? Yeah. And sort of, like... You'd, like, take care of them. Take care or... of them. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think my brother was really into Neopets back in the day. Yeah, I feel like there was a huge um, section of comic artists, especially, like, 
women and girls that were like into this kind of stuff and now they have become like webcomic creators like now in the present and you you get this like whole new generation of of creators that came out of like role-playing communities and um sites like neopets or whatever yeah the thing i love about role-playing is like you get to use your imagination but you also get to like perform Mm -hmm. like if so if you're not a very confident person in your regular life or you're pretty like shy Mm -hmm. you know uh role-playing is where you can sort of come out of your shell a little bit because essentially you're performing for an audience every turn and and you are the character is that something that that you experienced playing role-playing like did did you like the acting part of it as well my experience with it was not like me as the character but i really like making stories and like acting them out with characters i had created like they were their own um like entity with their own personality and stuff it was like separate from whoever i was as a person yeah yeah but like it was easy to do there was no you, you didn't have to like oh like pitch something or make like a huge long book you could just like type something out and there they're like existing you've created something right and the re- <laughs> and the reaction is immediate because yeah. it's online yeah. right you don't have to like wait for it to like come out or whatever yeah. so comics must be pretty pedestrian for you now <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not on the web anymore yeah i mean comics are are different and there's like a lot of exciting things about having something published that you can like hold in your hand that's really cool yeah, but I think I'll always really be drawn to, like, webcomics and being able to, like, put things out on the internet and see just what people think and, and go from there. Where are you originally from? Are you from here? Uh, I was born in, in Montreal, but, like, I moved here when I was, like, six. I, unfortunately, I didn't speak any French, but, uh, yeah, I've been living in Toronto for forever. That's awesome. Yeah. What did your family think of uh, your interest in role playing and stuff? Were they were they supportive? Uh, it was one of those things where like they didn't know about it. Your parents don't know what you do on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they've been really supportive about me like leaving my job and working on comics and stuff, and I'm really grateful for that. That's awesome. So let's get into the meat of the, of the matter, so to speak. How did you? originally uh, meet Mike and Andrea and start uh, Songs for the Dead? Um, so I think ugh, I asked them this, like, after the first issue was done, like, how did you guys find me? And uh, they had seen my Dragon Age fan art on DeviantArt, I think, and they contacted me via email <laughs> um, after seeing it, being like, oh, can you do a test page for this new comic we're, we're thinking of doing? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Were you already doing verse at that point? Or no, was this- I had almost like no comic work. So I'm really surprised that they even contacted me to begin with. I had like basically no comic work <laughs> when they contacted me. When you got that email, yeah, like, what, like, did, what did you think? <laughs> like, oh, well, I mean, I love comics and like I've been thinking of doing a web comic. Uh, sure, I'll do your test page. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I know from from the interview that we did with them, and you guys can go check that out after you listen to this. I, I highly recommend it. That they were absolutely blown away with your with your stuff. Like they were <laughs> they were they couldn't say enough great things about you. They they thought that they'd found like a gem. Uh, so and the fact that like what issue are you guys on right now? Um, so, uh, the fourth issue was done and you can actually pre-order that now. Um, and we haven't started the fifth issue yet, but, uh, 
we will be soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you guys are, like, almost five issues in. Yeah. So, so this relationship going from, like, just finding your work on DeviantArt and now it's, like, this amazing long-term gig and and now you've gotten picked up by a publisher. I mean, how does it feel? And and what's your relationship like uh, with them in in collaboration? Yeah, I mean, like it's it's the dream to just be like found randomly somewhere, and like all of a sudden you're being published. But like my relationship with uh, Mike and Angela is really really good. I really enjoy them as people. They're very funny to talk to. There's like a good story from issue four where Mike really wanted to do something, and Andrea was totally against it and kind of turned to me and I had to side with one of them, like the like the child in some kind of relationship. Well, you are kind of in, <laughs> in their relationship sometimes. Uh, and I sided with Mike and, and Andrea hasn't forgiven me, but it's all been in good fun. <laughs> right, right. What was the what was the issue? Can you say? Uh, no, it's not out yet. It's a it's um. a surprise. When you get to the moment you'll know what it was oh, okay cool. it's a it's a big thing that happens in issue four like i'm so excited for people to see this comic because i feel like uh from like an artistic point of view and like even writing like it's above like the other three issues we've done i'm like so pleased with um the the work that's gone into issue four and of course like along with your interiors there's also the cover art from nick robles which mm -hmm. is absolutely amazing the coloring is is amazing like this is like very pro uh, i know mike, mike and andrea were like really serious about making a serious looking comic and i think that's why it's been so successful is because they set out to like make a comic that they would want to buy in a comic store and they did not you know take any shortcuts to get there um nick robles is an amazing artist all his covers are really great and like uh when we were picked up with faults um, they got Tess Fowler to also do a bunch of covers as well. So we've been lucky to have two like super talented artists to do all the covers for us. Yeah, that's awesome. What was it like getting picked up by Vault for you? Because it meant that the independent comics that had already been sort of uh, circulating around Toronto, at least, uh, were going to be reissued, right? Yeah, it was weird. Like I wasn't really involved in the process like that was all led by uh, Mike and Andrea and uh, when they decided to be published there was kind of like a period of a few months where we weren't doing any new work kind of like waiting to see where this would go um, and it was really strange having them reissued starting from number one because my art by that point was over a year old <laughs> and I felt like I had improved a lot since then so it was kind of like oh no everyone has to see my like old bad art again <laughs> and I mean I know it's it's probably fine but like me personally it was like oh yeah I've got to dig up this this year old art <laughs> wow and, and I, like I think every creative person goes through that yeah. like it's always an evolution you always hate your old work mm -hmm. There's definitely an insecurity. Like, I'm a writer, and, and I hate the old stuff that I did, like, a long time ago. I feel like I'm so much better now. Right? Yeah, so imagine someone being like, we're going to republish your five-year-old writing. <laughs> but at least at least if somebody's publishing it again, they really like it. Yeah. So yeah. at least your old stuff is, you know, of publishable quality. Yeah, I guess it's some, like, validation or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, even your old stuff is, yeah. is good kind of stuff. That That's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward uh, to seeing where it goes, and, I, and congratulations on being on being published. Thank you. Um, 
it sounds like uh, Songs for the Dead was sort of the comic that like allowed you to do all the other things that you're doing. Was it Songs for the Dead that gave you the confidence to start Verse and do do the webcomic uh, thing as well? I think Verse was kind of like in the works even before I started, like at least thinking about it and planning it out. Um, Verse was released, I want to say like almost around the same time that issue one of Songs for the Dead was released. Uh, so it was something that I had wanted to do anyway. And um, doing issue one kind of got me prepared to like draw the comic that that verse is, yeah. So like it it helped me prepare myself to take on that task of making like a long web comic. I guess I should mention too, uh, Songs for the Dead is female led. Uh, there's a female main character. Tell us a little bit about for those who've never picked it up. Uh, what is Songs for the Dead about? And then we'll go into what verse is about. Sure. So I'll give my really short pitch for Songs for the Dead. It's about uh, Bethany, who is a necromancer. And in this world, you know, necromancers are kind of frowned upon. People don't want, uh, like, dead people being raised <laughs> or brought back. So they're kind of seen as evil. But Bethany is an extremely optimistic, like, happy-go-lucky person. And uh, she kind of sets out wanting to prove that, you know, she can be a hero as well. And that, like, her necromancy doesn't mean that she can't be a good person. Right. That's awesome. So she's, like, trying to, like, overcome a stigma. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. What about verse? Uh, Coming off of Songs for the Dead, how did you make verse uh, different? Yeah, so um, Verse uh, kind of follows the story of these two people that find each other under very weird circumstances. Um, The main character uh, is a girl called Nitya, and uh, she kind of appears after her companion, Fife, uh, uses this amulet. um, And her, like, appearance is really mysterious, and she doesn't remember who she is or where she came from. All she knows is her her name, um, and it takes place in this world that uh, I describe it as like post post magic. So magic was gone, and now it's come back very slowly. So there's lots of ruins, and people are still like trying to cope with a society that's like lost its main form of power. So it follows like Fifinitia's journey through this world that is still uh, trying to figure out how they're going to get by uh, without magic. Right. That's awesome. That, that's so cool. Tell us about Cadmus. It's based on like a myth or like... Some- yeah. Um, Cadmus is based on the myth called Cadmus. I used the um, uh, Ovid's Metamorphosis as the base for the story and uh the myth is is weird it's about the first king of thebes and how he basically creates like his army and population out of like the tooth of a snake that he kills and he eventually becomes a snake it's kind of like if you've ever read greek myths it's very weird um but it was kind of like the first comic I did. I did this even before starting on Songs for the Dead. So I wanted to find, you know, like a story with a start and end. I looked to Greek mythology because they have some like really weird and interesting stories 
I didn't really have to write a lot of it. I just adapted the text into a comic. Was it like a proof of concept? Like, how did you fall into that opportunity? Um, so it was like I did it from start to finish because I just wanted to. And Antarctic uh, contacted me like months later asking if they could publish it. Mm. So it was it was like done already by the time it was picked up. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. You are very, very talented. Where did you get your artistic style? Uh, have you have you trained at all, or is this all just like natural talent that we're looking at? <laughs> um, I I mean, I went to uh, York University to study graphic design. Like that's what I was doing for a super long time, um, and like I've taken classes here and there, but like most of it is just I've drawn like consistently for. 20 years of my life <laughs> wow and you just get you just get better and better and better and better yeah it's just like a lot of a lot of practice i guess just a lot of drawing yeah um yeah does drawing become like a need like something you you have to do yes. rather than something like it's not a job it's sort of it's sort of an addiction kind of thing yeah like if someone was like oh sam you can't draw anymore i don't know what i would do with myself like i have no hobbies like no purpose <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> that's amazing i mean it's so cool like because you have to draw every day and and i guess it's that whole like malcolm gladwell thing like you know as long as you keep doing it you're gonna get better and better and better and better that's awesome so what is what are your plans for the future i mean obviously the stories are coming out uh, as good as gold is coming out uh, you're still working on songs for the dead you got your web comic. I mean, what other things do you want to do you want to do? Um, hopefully like Songs for the Dead will will keep getting republished and like I'll be working on that for a while. I was supposed to be at TCAF this year and I had to to drop out for like health reasons. So I had like a bunch of comics that I wanted to get done for that convention. Um I'm still going to be working on those, but they'll come out like during the year. Um, I really like making short stories and like trying to just get things out there for people to see. So a few short stories I have in mind. I'm not really looking to like pitch any long stories to any publishers uh, versus kind of my like big project that I'll just keep chipping away at and I don't know, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's an advantage for you because you you create your own stories. You're not a per, you're not an artist who needs a writer in order to in order to get things done. So that's that's a real advantage if you if you want to get more stuff published. I think right. Yeah, and I mean, um, like I've worked with another writer, uh, Grant uh, McLaughlin, and uh, we're doing a comic together that's like about a uh, this girl that goes to an island. Uh, that's full of like statues that may or may not be alive. Um, so like writers will email me and ask if they like want to work with me or not. So I kind of get some work that way as well. And like I'm really interested in like working with independent writers that aren't like tied to a publisher or anything. Um, I hope I can continue to to do that because it's always cool seeing like a story. Um, that's different from what's currently out there. Right, and you have a rate and everything that you yeah. charge them, and yeah. like that's that's kind of what yeah, happens. I really enjoy working with independent writers. What do you like about it? Uh, they're excited. Like they're very excited about it. They have there's no like 
cynicism. They haven't been jaded by the publishing world. <laughs> um, they just really want to like create something and they're very excited about the story they want to tell. And I, it's like fun to then create something and they get to see like their words and their ideas like visualized. Um, it's exciting for both parties. <laughs> That's awesome. And like you get to put their ideas on the page, which which I guess is super, super exciting for you and for them. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's nice to, to have like the, such an outlet. What are some of the other artists that, that you admire in terms of uh, style and, and that sort of thing? Because you have a very very unique style. How would you, how would you describe your own style? Um, when people ask me what artists I like, I always falter because I have a very, I'm very bad with names. Um, but like some artists that, uh, I always go back to are like Mobius, um, uh, Inio Asano. He, he's done like Goodnight Pun Pun, um, and some other, uh, manga. There's Jake, like Wyatt, who does the webcomic Necrophilus. Jennifer Doyle, who does uh, Knight's Errand. There's all of webcomic artists that I really uh, like. Um, and uh, their style is, I think I'm drawn to them because they have this kind of like anime style, but not quite. And I think my style is a bit like that as well. It's kind of like in the middle of like being like more realistic and being cartoonish. Right. Um, yeah. What attracts you to anime? And manga? Um, I, I don't I'm I don't really <laughs> know. I think it's the type of of stories. They always feel very character focused and a lot of the characters get to express their emotions in a very like open way. And I never and then I've never found that with um like American comics where like the characters don't feel like they get to like lay out all their emotions on the page. And I think in like manga and anime, they they do that a bit more. At least in the stuff I've read, they're very expressive and like over the top with like emotions, um, which I'm a fan of. There's a lot of like character relations as well, despite it. Like even if you have like a shonen manga or something where there's a lot of action, you still get like scenes and and arcs of it just like focusing on like the characters interaction and relationship with other characters yeah and it seems like it's like emotional conflicts and like mm -hmm. heavy heavy things like inner turmoil yeah. and that sort of thing which that, you don't good angst <laughs> yeah which you don't really get from american comics like you said i mean most of the emotion in american comics is expressed through action like beating mm -hmm. people up or whatever and then and then they just move on like once you've conquered the evildoer uh there's no exploration of the trauma of that experience yeah yeah that that's exactly what i feel like and there's always exceptions as well but at least in my experience like you really get to explore like oh you know someone had this huge fight and they were hurt or they hurt someone you get to like really explore how that affects the character um whereas like in american comics or other comics it's they beat it up and like we never revisit the like trauma that they might experience because right. of that. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a comic coming down the pipe very soon that will, but it'll be the first of its kind to explore like a sort of like superhero PTSD. 
Uh, I think uh, DC Comics is doing something like that, but okay. I think they announced it, but I'm not sure what it's called. Okay. <laughs> and I forget who's doing it, but I heard somewhere uh, on the web that like that's something that's happening. But like, especially in American comics too, like they can't just do that in existing comics it seems like whenever something like that is announced it has to be its own event like mm-hmm. it has to be its own comic we're doing like the ptsd comic quote unquote right yeah and that, that's weird because that like everyone experiences trauma or emotions <laughs> explored all the time <laughs> right right and like in 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 manga and anime it seems to be like much more integrated i mean obviously in the independent comics like like image and and that sort of thing you get a little bit more of that because they're they're different stories they're not necessarily superhero but certainly in, in American superhero comics, you don't really get that as much. Maybe Demon in a Bottle, uh, the Iron Man alcoholic storyline is, like, okay. one of the closest. But, like, even that is kind of uh, scratching the surface, mm-hmm. so to speak. Anyway, um, so what – now that uh, the Kickstarter is starting for uh, Toronto Comics, have you ever had a project funded on Kickstarter uh, in the past? Uh, nothing I've done personally, like aside from Wayward Sister, which was like another anthology, I've never actually used Kickstarter. Maybe, maybe Verse will be on Kickstarter one day. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, like, when things like Toronto Comics and Wayward Sisters are on Kickstarter and like you have a stake in it going successfully, uh, how does it make you feel? I mean, uh, your your project is still in there. And they always make it sound like if we don't get this funded, like, you know, we're going to do it, but it's going to be a lot harder. Mm -hmm. So as the artist uh, slash writer, what is it like, you know, nervously watching a Kickstarter from day to day? Yeah, I mean, thankfully, um, because Wayward Sisters was also part of like the Toronto Comics family and Toronto Comics themselves has had four successful Kickstarters. There's, There's less pressure yeah um i i kind of like trust that they know what they're doing but like there's still like a bit of worry where like you'll go and check it yourself and then like tweet about it or (laughs) or try and promote it a bit um but yeah it's a bit scary but like thankfully the two i've been involved in like were run by very competent and very experienced people (laughs) since wayward sisters is coming out very soon uh tell us a little bit about your story in there it's a very unique anthology uh, featuring uh, females and female-identified mm-hmm. artists and writers from, like, around the world doing uh, monster stories, right? Yeah, so um, it's, like, a really interesting anthology, and and its uh, representation of monsters goes, like, far beyond what I even thought uh, was going to be involved. Like, it's not your typical, like, werewolves and, like, Frankenstein Universal Studio monsters. Um, the story that um, I was doing the art for was written by Amy Lynn. It's called Love and Fury, and it's about vengeance demons. Um, It's a uh, a Chinese family, three sisters, and they kind of uh, right the wrongs of, like, evildoers, and they're very cold to, to each other, but, like, there's still kind of, like, a thread of what it means to have, like, loyalty in a family, like Amy Lynn did like a, it was a really interesting story. Uh, it was something like I had never kind of like 
read before, so I really loved doing the the art for her story. Um, yeah, like I don't know. I think it, it's very interesting. Uh, and if you haven't picked up a copy of Wayward Sisters, they're going to be at TCAF. So yeah, I think get it there. <laughs> I think that's where they're launching because that's yeah. where all the Toronto Comics projects launch is at TCAF. Uh, I believe. As Good as Gold, Toronto Comics Anthology, will also be available at TCAF mm-hmm. in May because that's where they always release uh, their anthologies. Mm-hmm. So so that should be really, really cool. Um, did you have to change up your artistic style for these anthologies uh, given that, like, you know, Songs for the Dead, I mean, you that's what you do on day-to-day. Did you find that, like, sometimes uh, the narrative calls for a different art style? Um, I think in uh, the story in Wayward Sisters, Love and Fury, the style is maybe a bit more, like, grim and and gritty than, like, my usual style. It's a lot darker. Uh, just, like, to fit the tone of the story. But, like, um, I've never had to, like, change up my style completely for any story I was working on. I have to assume that, like, if someone wants me to to illustrate something for them, they're a fan of my style, and just hope that it'll, it'll work with what they want with what they want me to do. <laughs> right. So now that you're doing like a monthly comic as well, how do you handle the workload? Like, how do you pace it out day to day? What is your day as an artist uh, like? Um, so we haven't started issue five for Songs for the Dead yet, and I'm sure we'll be really busy <laughs> when that happens, but like right now it's it's manageable. Like I do a lot of freelance illustration and cover art and stuff as well. But like when I was doing issues one to four, it was like a normal work day where like from ten to like 10 p.m. would <laughs> be drawing or making comics. Uh, and then, like, the closer you get to a deadline, the later you're staying up, inevitably. Right, right, because <laughs> it's always like, oh, I have lots of time, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you don't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That, that's cool. I mean, I look on Instagram sometimes, and I see artists like Jason Liu, like, doing, like, 26 pages, like, in a day and, like, putting it up or whatever. And it's pretty crazy. So, (laughs) I can imagine what it's like uh, sitting at the drawing table and stuff. Hopefully, you have good back support and (laughs) and stuff because you're, like, in the chair, like, all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's it's really important to take care of yourself. I was said uh, earlier, like, I was going to be at TCAF and, like, I really wanted to do like three comics for it. And that just was not going to happen because I would destroy myself. Um, so I don't know. There's like a point where you have to just like step back and be like, maybe I should take care of me <laughs> before trying and like getting that next book out. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or, or yeah. put a few books out and then go to a convention yes. <laughs> rather than trying to make the convention with yeah. your books for sure. That's awesome. Uh, anything else uh, you want to highlight? Um, of course, uh, get in on the Kickstarter for uh, Toronto Comics Anthology. Uh, it's launched. It'll be launched uh, by the time you hear this. Uh, get in there because uh, it's only uh, available to help uh, get funded until March 30th. And uh, you can read uh, Sam's story and, and lots of other stories. But uh, is there anything else you want uh, you want the listeners to know? 
I think I think we've we've talked about everything. Um, check out first it's firstcomic.com and you know keep an eye out on on Twitter and stuff for any new releases for songs for the dead. <laughs> yeah, where can people find you on social media? Um, so I tweet a lot. It's uh, underscore two thirty on Twitter. Um, yeah, and I, I I post everything there. I also have like an Instagram. Uh, it's Sam Beck draws. That's cool. Yeah. Why why underscore two thirty on Twitter? Just I, I, curiosity. <laughs> my name is really popular, and I could not find my handle. I've been using two thirty as a handle for like the longest time, so that's just kind of stuck. Did it come from somewhere? Uh, I think that was probably the time I looked at my. <laughs> really, <laughs> really lame like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. that's cool. But I'm glad you had the confidence to do that. Yes. <laughs> All right. So it's been a pleasure talking to you, Sam. Uh, I think uh, Sam's going to draw for a bit and uh, you'll see that on our Instagram uh, and uh, maybe our Facebook. Uh, we, you can follow us at SpeechBubblePod on every uh, social media outlet that's out there, at least the three main ones, Facebook, Twitter, and, uh, and Instagram. Uh, you can also visit uh, Never Sleeps Network. For more podcasts at NeverSleepsNetwork.com, we have a comedy podcast, we have a wrestling podcast, we have a video game podcast. So check them out as well and you'll see some great things. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NeverSleepsNet. This podcast has been brought to you by Harry Tarantula. Uh, They sell great comics. You probably heard them at the top. And uh, Sam, I just want to thank you. Uh, for doing this, um, it, it's been it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> That's awesome. And if you want to get any uh, geek related merchandise, you want to get your geek Jones on, just go to Ripped Apparel R I P T Apparel dot com. They have all these like geeky mashup T shirts, like Star Wars meets Marvel and those sorts of things. Really, really weird, obscure T shirts that I always see people wearing at comic conventions. And that's the only time that people really know what they are. The rest of the time people are like, cool shirt, man. So if you want people to talk to you, talk about your shirt and stop you on the street, just go to ripedapparel.com, R-I-P-T apparel.com. And uh, while you're there, type in Never Sleeps Network, all capitals, no spaces, and uh, you'll get 10% off and you'll help us a little bit on the back end fund this podcast. So if you like what you hear, go to a ripped apparel, buy your shirt and get 10% off. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Speech Bubble. We'll see you next time. Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. See you next time. Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com is executive produced by Alex Ross. Audio editing by Joseph Yanni. Social media assistance by Jamie Warner and The Social Smiths. Announcements by Craig Mayhem and Sean Ward. Logo design and graphical assistance by Brittany Tice. Never Sleeps Network.
This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Thank you.